And uh, no matter how many times I hear it, I can't get enough of our new intro. I know there are a few of you that miss the old one, but you can't deny this is a goodie. It really sets the tempo for what promises to be another exciting show of your favorite podcast. It is Hockey the Podcast. I am Derek Albertson with me. As always, although we are a week late because he was a, a little down in the dumps uh, for the past week because he was a little sick, but uh, he is back and better. Tyron Jabu Barnard, how are you doing? Yeah, Derek, great to be back uh, to the, the dedicated listeners. We apologize for last week. I was man down um, with a bit of a virus. Don't worry, it wasn't the COVID virus, but I am okay now and uh, we are back and recording of course, uh, when you listen to this, hopefully you're listening to it as we've gone live on a Tuesday. So I hope you are having a wonderful Tuesday and uh, ready for the next half an hour of Hockey the Podcast. Yeah, half an hour. I think you being a, a little bit generous. I think they, they're in for a, a, a little longer than that, especially given the quality of our guests today, Ty. Yeah, absolutely. We, we, we go far and wide and... And near and far and whatever other funny uh, metaphors you have. But uh, we try and get you the, the people that uh, have incredible hockey stories. And, and today will be no difference. He has played 44 test matches for South Africa. He was also called up into the indoor national team. He is the uh, players representative on the SA Hockey Board. Uh, and he has a very, very interesting uh, career trying to balance hockey and uh, uh, professional professional life it is none other than Lonwabo Owen Mvimbi Owen welcome thank you so much Tyron thanks Jabu it's good to be on the show yeah it's probably taken us a little bit longer than uh, than we would have liked it but uh, you know there's a, a lot of people to get through and I'm very glad that we could get you on I Owen obviously 2021 uh, 2020, the two years that many of us don't want to remember when it comes uh, from a sports point of view. But, uh, you know, how have you coped? How have you coped knowing that uh, the Olympic dream has been put on hold for now, that the indoor dream has been put on hold for now, and uh, you've had to stay fit and healthy? Um, it's been, I think it's just been it was ups and downs, I guess. Um, you think about the Olympics the first time and then you think about work and family and, and just like the other things that are not hockey related that impact you. And um, so having all those thoughts, you just have to decide like what you're going to do about anything that is seemed to be negative and anything that actually is really impacting you negatively. And if you can do something about it, do it. You know, so I think for me, it was just like a growing point. Like, okay, how many people are going to suffer and crumble in this situation? And how many people are going to actually bat themselves and get up and work harder, be more innovative, um, try new things, or just create longevity for themselves? And that's the route I took. I took a thing of like, I'll do small things for myself to keep myself motivated, to keep myself excited about each day. And for me, it was actually a new gym program during lockdown, obviously more body weight. Um, making sure that I did it every single day. And then that just inspired me to think of new ideas, to, to get on more social media. I'm not a social media kind of guy, but to get more involved with that and connect with people and, and the kids and then read more and just like look into making my mind stronger so that once my mind is strong, I can actually put what I'm thinking into action. So for me, it was almost 
it made me, it built me a lot. You know, um, I feel now this year I'm a lot more confident. Not that I wasn't a confident person, but I'm a lot more now. And I'm a lot more ready for any challenge that's coming ahead. And um, so that's because of the, the start of, of lockdown and how people are looking at it so negatively. But I knew that there were people that were somehow going to figure out a way to get through this. And I wanted to be part of those people. Um, so, yeah, so that's what I've been executing on to the best of my ability up until now. And I'm still trying now, even today, trying to get new things going, um, meet up and partner with different people and, and parties to, to grow myself and to grow, um, obviously, my journey towards my dreams. Well, and let's talk about those dreams. I mean, obviously, uh, the biggest one on the horizon is is the Olympic Games. Uh, I know you've been in and out of the squad, and you are in the greater squad. There's obviously also the indoor hockey side of things. I mean, what what's the tie up on the on the dreams and the goals right now from a hockey point of view? From a hockey point of view, definitely the Olympics um, at the moment. So that's a big focus, and. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm really confident. I, I trained really well. In the, once we got um, regulations to train last year, playing well, I was in a, almost like a, just give your best and don't care what anybody feels or says about you. And, I, and it worked out for me. Um, I also made the squad, um, the 24-man squad that was going to play in the series now before it got cancelled by COVID. So I was feeling good going into that. But I'm still going to take that momentum now into our training camps and... Um, into, into any series and opportunities that come along. Because um, when you don't play, you realize how much you just miss playing and how much you just go out there and really just express yourself and be the best version of yourself. Because um, now you can't play and it takes away the nerves. So I think having COVID, you don't now get nervous to play. You just want to go play and do anything you want. Just be better and prepare yourself. And now I'm just stuck with that mentality as if, if I don't just enjoy myself now, COVID might stop sport forever almost. You know, so play to the best of my ability and enjoy it because it might be the last moment, not because of me, but because of COVID. So then I play with a lot more peace of mind and almost freedom and enjoyment. And then it brings out the best in, in, in myself. And actually, even now when I coach kids, I try to give them that freedom. Like, like care, have, like don't care too much about the consequences but more about the consequence of how you're going to enjoy it. And it comes with fitness. Any, any type of sports, you have to be fit. But I think that's really helped me and built me. So I'm really um, excited about the, the journey of possibly going to the Olympics. But I'm also just in, enjoying the journey of knowing that I'm going to be playing well like, and having fun because they've deprived us of that <laughs> last year while COVID has deprived us. Yeah, and of course, for yourself as well, you were... Um, um you know, establishing yourself, getting the opportunity to to play on the indoor side as well. And not many players uh, can be both an indoor and outdoor national at the same time. I mean, what what challenge does that bring about, the passion for indoor as well as trying to balance a passion for outdoor? Well, indoor, I think the passion comes from the youngsters. I wasn't really... So, like, I'm not in the in national squad for indoor, but I play for Southerns. So I play for a really strong province. And um, we like had a little makeshift exhibition game against the national team the other day and we beat them with our like makeshift Southerns, Northerns team. So I think the youngsters, like they're so talented. I actually didn't enjoy indoor and, I, and when I was growing up and like adversity. And then we look at like the likes of, I think Ryan Mann, Ross, Mustafa, Diane, um, Nathan, all these, there's so many youngsters, let's name them, Marvin, Dalpi. These kids are all like 19, 20, and they're just unbelievable at the sport. And there's a whole lot of them. 
um, from PSI, from different, from Pumalanga, um, the Namibian teams young. It's crazy. And then they bring this up. Yeah, wow, I want to play with these kids. Like, it's weird, but that's what I said. I was like, I'm coming back to indoor. I'm going to take this sport seriously. And I want to play with these youngsters and learn from them. And that's what it does. So that drove me because once again, the enjoyment of playing with them. And it's weird because they like look up to me in outdoor and I coach them. And I'm a senior in like the members or the club teams or provincially. But in indoor, I look to them. And I think they kind of appreciate that in a weird way. And I really do appreciate it from my side. But I hope they appreciate that I generally like look up to them as 19-year-olds. I'm like, bro, how do you do this? Teach me this, teach me that. And I'm serious. I'm not like joking. So then the journey to learn and become a better hockey player, even if it's indoor, excites me. It's almost like I'm starting from scratch again. So, and also like the mentality, they, they're also just so brave. They're a lot more braver than we were. And I think Ellie and Riza have a big thing of, um, of pushing that agenda with them. So I love to watch it. I love to play with them and I love to be in that environment. And then obviously with the likes of Jethro, the guys or the seniors who are like really doing so well with managing that indoor setup. It's just unbelievable. Like it's an environment that's completely different to outdoors. So much more fun, so professional and no beef between the provinces. Everyone's just playing hard and so friendly off the field. And it's a different environment compared to outdoor. Ern, great to have you on the show. Uh, I loved it when we when we got you online uh, just before we went to air. I was chatting to you and, and I said, how are things going? And you said, no, you, you're making the best of a very, very tough time and uh, you just got to roll with it. Now, I, I love that attitude. I mean, it comes across clearly. We've had many, many guests on the show and uh, uh, without a doubt, the overriding topic throughout has been the subject of COVID. And you can either look at it in a very depressing fashion or you can look to make the most of it, and you're certainly doing the latter. Yeah, um, definitely. Like, I have a good partner, like a business partner and best friend. And I mean, Gerald, and he's also he's an excellent SA indoor player. Um, and we just said, like, some people, are, it's going to break them. You know, it's, it's going to impact you mentally, health-wise, everything, and how you look at the world. And that's when, if we can step up now, when life gets easier, it'll be even easier for us to boom. And you want to just hang around people that, that have that mentality, read those type of books, listen to those type of podcasts or, or YouTube clips or whatever to get yourself into a state of mind where you can innovate and raise the bar of who you are. And when you think you're at your best, if it's mentally or physically or academically or sporting-wise or work-wise or business-wise, there's something more to do and something more to give to people. So my philosophy is that if I can find a way to serve people, I'll hopefully one day become a great person. And like I do that in terms of my hockey, I do it in terms of my work, I do it in terms of business and in terms of family and in love and love as well. So in doing that, I want to be the person that makes other people better somehow and adds value to their lives. So these are the type of times and opportunities when things are going bad that I need to be innovative and raise my game as a human and then it's exciting you know the journey to becoming that person how I change and grow and develop and learn from my mistakes and fall from my challenges and get up again really excites me and makes me feel good and makes me more brave for the next and up and coming challenges and then um yeah so then it becomes easier and easier and every challenge then becomes like a little test like a little game like you're not gonna get me I'm gonna win this battle and then life becomes fun all of a sudden yeah, it certainly does. And kudos and bravo to you on adopting 
that that outlook. It really, really is something to, to be admired. But we're not going to make this a COVID show because, uh, yeah, pretty much every show has <laughs> been involved with COVID. Um, but, you know, if, if you look back at, at your background, you have a story mm-hmm. past and, and a, a very, very colorful one when it comes to hockey. And I, I don't know if you've read the article regarding you, uh, which was published in Forbes uh, a couple of years back. It was about the discrepancy when it came to, to money in, in the South African hockey setup and the Belgian hockey setup, because mm-hmm. it was on the eve of South Africa playing Belgium when Belgium came down here. And uh, they spoke about yeah. how our South African players, yourself, Jethro Hustis, um, Austin, etc., uh, had to pay their own way just in order to play, whereas the Belgian guys came down here. I mean, they mm-hmm. had their own uh, medics and uh, sports psychologists, the works. Um, but I'm not going to go into that, because <laughs> that's also an ugly thing that we talk about when it comes to hockey. But um, it's interesting that they mentioned Belgium, because, of course, you've got a history with Belgium, and it's not just about playing against them. Yeah, yeah, I played two seasons there. Um, an unbelievable experience, to be honest. Um, and played against those guys, and I'm actually quite good friends with them, um, Van Doren and a lot of the national players, because the coaching, the coaches there are quite tight. All the club coaches share information. Um, they meet up like on a weekly basis almost to talk about the games and the players. So we get a lot of in-depth like information about what other teams are doing and how they feel about us as individual players and as a team. So it was an incredible experience to play in that league and play with those players and, you know, like beat them. You know, um, I think guys like Antoine Kina now and Wagner's and those guys were youngsters when I was there, but they were superstars in their teams. And like, Antoine was 19, he was captain in Gantois there and, we were like coming like second last or third last. And now he's the captain of the team and they're unbeaten for two years, like winning the, the league. And Wagner is one of the best players in the, in, in the world. So it's, it's, it's just really humbling to know that you can play that level and inspiring that you can play. Um, but you also understand the work that goes behind the scenes in terms of the tactical and the mental application. So I like how you said like, they get all the stuff and we have to work and all that type of stuff. And I just think personally that is an excuse because it's easier to explain our performances. But if you really want to compete with the best in the world and you have to pay, you kind of have to do, you have to outwork them. Even if they're working hard and it sucks, but if you want it more, for some reason you're going to want it more, you will do more laps or run harder or train more or train on random nights when it's raining or when it's cold or whatever the case may be. And I don't think we had the mental strength as a group, as a squad to do that. And, and I'd say even from the coaching staff, still even maybe, that we need to still get to the point of not being lazy and hoping that we're going to become first world countries. We need to prove to the country that with less, we can still be determined enough to give more and work harder than the other countries because they have more. And then take that mentality of we've worked hard enough and put it into performance. And not fitness-wise, but also just playing-wise and tactic-wise and video-wise and stay up late as squad members or whatever it can be and irritate each other and be like, it's not worth it. And some people will be like, it is worth it. Because some kids are sitting at home and be like, if I was there, I'd work a thousand times harder than that guy. Somebody can't wait to replace you in your squad and show you that they're going to work harder. And you need to understand and appreciate that. And so in hindsight, when I look at it, I'm like, we just made an excuse. It, it's a valid excuse. It's a valid reason of why we do what we're doing, but we still could have put in more if we wanted to. An extra hour a day, an extra two 
hours a day for this amazing dream of being top 10 or top four to get a gold medal. Is it worth it? For some it is, but for some it isn't. And in that like process, people will see that, identify with that. If we get the right results, the sponsors come on board and then they make lives easier. Then now you've been paid and you don't have to go there. But once you put in that hard work that nobody else wants to do, if you, nobody else wants to do the work, you need to find the people that will do that work and get the performances done and right. And then you never know from there. So, yeah, that's kind of like my thoughts on that. But being in Belgium was unbelievable and unbelievably cold. But I learned so much about how they think and feel and how they visualize the future and plan for the future. And, yeah, it was a kind of way to teach it to the youngsters and everyone that I'm going to work with around me, you know, to the best of my ability, I guess. Yeah, and and Owen, obviously you, um, uh, as you say, you you spend some time there. Is it is it something you'd like to do again? I mean, I know you are uh, still a spring chicken when it comes to age. I mean, you're just a tender thirty two, thirty three now, so still a good four, five, six, seven, eight years at uh, at the top. But is that something you'd like to do again? Go back on to um, go back overseas, uh, maybe a different country. Um, probably not, not to play. I'd rather go there and coach if I get the opportunity to learn and coach. Um, I still want to play a lot, um, internationally for like for the country, but to play there, um, I've, I've got a lot of work, like building the mentality and the culture of South African hockey. I think there's a lot of, we rely so much on, on, on the European thoughts of hockey and maybe Australian or whatever the case may be. But I remember when I was 21, like we played against Gavas and, and, and Matt Goads and Swan and them under 21. And they only beat us 2-0. And we should have won that game, actually. We like missed like three open goals. We're all over them. And when we played Germany, it was also like 1-1. And then they like banged us in like the last few minutes, like 3-4-1 or whatever. So we beat England. So Malaysia, it, was, it wasn't that hard. But as we get older... It's it like the mental block gets us. We're like, oh, we need to play like them. We need to play like a style that's like European or whatever. But when we were youngsters, we just played our own style. Hence, you can see with the under-18s as well, when we play, we don't, we don't copy anybody's style. We play our own South African brand according to the players we have. And then we compete with national players, with other national teams. So I want to like instill that upon our players and upon our coaches that are coming up now. They're going to be new and taking over from these high positions. And as a player, also instill that in players that are coming into the national team. Hence, I want to continue being fit and playing at the top of my games. So I can stay in the national team for longer. So that we go with the mentality of like, guys, we don't need to copy anybody. We're flipping good players. Billy, Austin, Tim, who, all these guys. When we play overseas, we're the main players in our team. But come when we come together, we get nervous now. We need to play a different style. Let's just play the way we believe was our strengths. And we will compete in a higher level instead of trying to replicate things. And then... It also goes into coaching. Then all our coaches now must be from, if they're from overseas, then they'll be like the best coaches. Instead of actually us coaches going to learn overseas and then coming back and using some of the wisdom and in like honing it with our own South African style. So I've got a big passion for building South Africa in that manner. To, but if I play overseas, then I'm not like on the ground, in the ground floor here in SA seeing the development, seeing the talent and working with the talent like like face-to-face almost. So I think that's my vision more than my individual goals of playing there. I've played already. I had fun. I've got lots of friends from there now and good connections. But now I want to build 
our own country, you know, more than another successful country already. Yeah, and, and, and it's a fantastic thing because, you know, you watch the likes of Diane Kasim and Mustafa Kasim. You watch the likes mm. of Tevin Koch, uh, Billy and Tuli. Um, you know, we can talk about Pibo Lombete. We can talk about uh, Sam and Vimbi. Um, you know, we can, we can talk about all of these guys and, and, and they've shown that they've got their own style. They can hold their own. I mean, in very memorable uh, draw in one of our most recent test matches against Germany. Um, and, and that wasn't through a, a fearful approach. Yeah, we played a defensive brand of hockey because we needed to, but yeah. um, our work rate was great. Diane could have probably won that game for us, I mean, on the break. So yeah, we, and Bushy had a flick that time as well. Yeah, we could have won that game. Oh, we could have won it. We could have won it. I mean, and in fairness, Rossi did not have to make a lot of saves. Uh, Orsia, when he came on, they didn't have to make a lot of saves. So it was a fantastic performance and it shows that we can compete at that level. But, uh, you know, I think you said it so nicely. I think quite often the stumbling block as South Africans is a mental one more than a, a preparation one. You know, we talk about the financial side of things. Yeah, okay, we can't go to these massive series. We can't go to these big gatherings necessarily. We can't host a bio bubble. However, we are more than equipped to go and challenge players and challenge teams. And of course we have something that plays in our favor. And this, this must be something for you uh, that you've experienced is playing hockey in South Africa is special. Uh, yeah. We don't have the greatest stadiums in the world, mm. but a, a home test match is a special test match. Now, in your career for South Africa, you've played in India, you've played in Australia, you've played in Malaysia, obviously Cape Town and Johannesburg. Uh, I mean, where, where, where is the dream? Where is the pinnacle? Where's the place that you've played that was just the most amazing? Uh, and where's the one place you would have loved to still have played for your country? Sure. Um, I think... Um, the most amazing, I think, was my debut. Uh, was that was I was blessed to have it at Randburg. You know, um, all my friends, like my mom, everyone came and um, Clarky, our starting lineup, like Clarky had this philosophy of like he starts everybody who de- debuts. And I had an amazing captain in Wade Payton who just gave me like a license. He said like just play like you play at IPT. Like don't even think about. He literally said to me, don't even think about the tactics. To play like you're playing for Southerners. Like, that's what he, like, almost said to me. And it was unreal. You know, like, I think we drew that game against Argentina, who became the champions in the future. But um, that was the most amazing feeling, playing at home and knowing that my friends are watching and, like, the nerves. And I can't even, I don't even know what to think. It's crazy because I literally, I never thought it was going to happen. I remember Clarky calling me and <laughs> he actually sought me because I thought my friends were pranking me. He was like, <laughs> oh, and I need you to come like play for a test match, blah, blah, blah. You trained while at camp. And I thought my friends were pranking me. I was like, virus, like, stop, stop messing around, man. I'm on holiday. I'm in Mahalisburg. And he's like, Owen, oh, it's cocky. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, is this real? You know? And then a few days, a few like weeks or months later, you're playing this match and it's crazy. So I think that was my number one. And then my second moment for me was um, Australia. Um, I think they're a sporting nation like us that just love sports. And 
when I got to the Gold Coast for Com Games, it was like, I don't know, you know, you always dream of going to watch cricket at the NCG and things like that and um, watching rugby league or anything like that. And um, I couldn't believe that I was there and playing and the crowd was crazy and just the excitement and the hype of, of the whole Com Games and the stadium was so full with a lot of South Africans as well supporting us. So that was for me like a, a dream come true in terms of a location um, and a tournament. But um, yeah, I think if I could go back somewhere, I think I'd go to Argentina. Um, yeah, I think, I think the way that they like the women's team is, is, a, is, a, is more important than the men's team is lovely to see that when we come in, the stadium's half full, but when um, Luciana Amor and them come onto the field, it's like gang-packed. And to see that these women play at a level that's unbelievable, I think that's really rare for people to experience and to realize and for females to realize in like this day and age. And I think it's an ex- unbelievable experience to like go and honor the women that create us when they play and not like have the men's match, like the main match of a tournament or like a series. So that's very enjoyable and... Nice to see. So those are like my top three. Ah, oh, you know, Owen, I'm lucky to have uh, experienced uh, those countries that you've mentioned, and uh, I must say, I I completely share your sentiments with regards to those countries. I mean, we all know what Australia is like in terms of what we've seen and the people that we've seen, the movies, etc. And they are a nation very similar mm-hmm. to us. But I'm so glad you mentioned Argentina because I sing this country's praises to the hills. And I say, forget what we speak about when it comes to Australia. Argentina, in terms of culture, they head and shoulders ahead of Australia when it comes to similarities to South Africa. Uh, the wine, mm-hmm. the red meat, the sporting culture, yes. the people. It's such an amazing country. Yeah, 100%. And they're loud. They're like, yes. like speak loud. They're <laughs> like, like, no, like in South Africa, like black people get shushed a lot. Like, yeah, you, like, you're too loud. You're right next to each other. They're loud. They're like louder than us. And I'm like, wow, like I'm home here, but I, I don't understand what you're saying. <laughs> but um, yeah, exactly. The football that they love, the skating, the surfing, the every type of sport. They're just involved in that athleticism and they push themselves. And like for, they do really, really well actually with that passion and energy in like in, on worldwide rankings when it comes to the sports that they really love. So it's, it's yeah, you, you're 100% right with that. I think maybe I'm maybe a little bit biased towards it because I don't watch a lot of it. Like you have to go out of your way to find the sports and, and, and mm-hmm. see how, the, how crazy the soccer players are and the supporters are. You have to go out of your way to know that. Whereas Australia and America is really televised and you yeah. see it, you know, from the sports that we watch. But you see now from the rugby championship as well, how crazy those fans are when it comes to rugby how the kids can cry when they see their idols and the captain of the rugby team. And it's, it's amazing to see. And you're 100% right with that. And that's the, that's the passion that we, they love for music as well, how they love dancing and their festivals, um, just like Brazil. It's, it's unbelievable. And um, it's, it's a blessing. And I'm very humble and grateful that I've experienced that country even two times, actually. So it was, it's really amazing. It's, I mean, it's a silly question, but you obviously did partake in, in some of the red meat on offer. 
Yes, <laughs> did a lot of partaking on a lot of things in Argentina. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, what a country! Yeah, if, uh, for those folk that uh, if you ever get an opportunity to go and uh, you umming and ahhing as to whether to go or not, do it. It is a magnificent place. Now, Owen, you've got to don the kit of uh, South Africa many, many a time on the field, but you've also done so off the field uh, in a, a bit of a new career as a model. As a model. Yes. When was this? Uh, at the kit launch. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> it's it's actually quite interesting because if you uh, for all the listeners, if you Google uh, Owen, one of the first pictures you'll see is a very uh, uh, business type picture with his Malik hockey stick. But after that, you'll see uh, him and Stephanie Baxter modelling the Commonwealth. I can't do this. <laughs> <laughs> so you join the likes of Austin and Lloyd Norris Jones as and and Derek Alberts as former models. Wow, I'll, I'll accept it. It's it's I, I can't force. It. I was on the I was on the catwalk there, whatever the runway walk. So um, oh, it was good times. It was really fun. Free gear, free gear before the kit came out. Um, we got to see it and test it, and it was really exciting. Um, good times and lots of like practicing because yes i'm a really shy guy i talk a lot but <laughs> i was nervous as hell on that thing <laughs> i was so nervous <laughs> so, so you've gone from being a player to a model but you you're a man of many hats because another position that you fill is the uh, players rep on the sa hockey board mm. um yeah so that was it's quite interesting that um it happened shortly after the the pft was formed um during the phl when the ladies once again, these females in this world are really inspirational and they're so strong worlds for what they believe in. And I was randomly in the hotel talking to my friends and they were having this big debate about what's happening with the girls' hockey. And, and I was like, what? Like, I didn't even know all this was happening. And yeah, then I just decided to join and be like the, like the second guy to join on their, like, um, on their vision of how they want to change um, SL hockey in terms of for females and for players of color. And then joining that, um, we had no S, um, rep, uh, athletes rep. And then um, I put my hand up to do it temporarily until we voted the next year. And then and two years later, I'm still doing it. <laughs> I've learned a lot though from, from being on the exec. Um, I would mad respect for Marissa. I know back in the days, even myself, we used to blame Marissa for so many things, but she's just the face. She's actually the savior. If anybody's listening to this, she must like have the utmost respect for Marissa because without her, it would be no way when it comes to hockey. She just sometimes has to say what needs to be said to save Saha and things like that. But she's not the creator and the damager of what we think is damaging in hockey. She's actually the complete opposite. Um, so maybe other people in there have different opinions, but she's really unbelievable and, and super intelligent about everything. Like she's like a working like a walking encyclopedia when it comes to like sports and, and what needs to be done for us to succeed and in the right way regarding to the law and regulations which are so complex and all the red tape and she does it so well for us. So mad respect to that. And also just mad respect to um like players that actually speak up. You know, there's a lot of players that speak up that we don't know about that are voicing our concerns. And I think a lot of people should like look into doing that because people are listening and doing a lot of work on the ground to to help out and that's why i'm 
I'm quite very happy in the position at the moment. But um, if anybody else is keen to do it, um, of course, I'd definitely ha- help them out and tell them all what I've learned and how to become better than I was. Well, and, and naturally, I mean, Owen, you know, I'm, I, like you, am privy to a lot more information than I'm allowed to share. And, and I've seen a lot more behind the scenes than necessarily I ever choose to share. Um, but, um, yeah, obviously, it's a great responsibility in having the knowledge and, and having the experience now. We, we see that the FIH, uh, the African Hockey, of course, last year at uh, the road to Tokyo in Stellenbosch, launched the Athletes Commission. Um, mm-hmm. At last, uh, it was a driving force. Uh, Marsha Cox was a driving force behind it. I mean, is that something you would consider serving on in the future or, or is your passion more to serve here at the local game? Um, no, it's something I definitely look into serving. Um, I'm, I'm very passionate about like our continent, Africa. I think there's so much hidden talent here um, and hidden almost academic ability and knowledge as well. And I think we really undersell ourselves. So I'm passionate about South Africa, of course, my hometown, and I'm almost like, biased towards how awesome our country is. Like I'm almost like, possessed by how awesome we are. And I think there's a lot of that same ability and talent in Africa. And you can see it all over the world, like in different sports, athletics and rugby and rugby sevens and just like freakish thing that kids and people are doing all the time on a regular basis. And it's just about tapping into that market, finding a way to make it sustainable and um, like investing in people and businesses so that we can turn into like maybe a second world continent or whatever the case may be and just really give people the opportunity to to flourish. And I also want people to almost, um, I remember when, when I did go overseas, um, a big thing that I was dating someone at the time, um, you actually know, no, I was dating Tumi at the time, Tumi Luwate, and she went to um, London for an MBA. She said all the Africans would come get their MBAs and everything like that and get all these hectic degrees and stuff and take all that knowledge and use it in Europe and not come back and like share it from where they come from so that now they've only learned it by themselves, but nobody else back home knows it. And now that like really stuck with me. I was like, Oh my gosh, I actually need to come back. And like what I learned in Belgium or whatever I learned anywhere, I need to come back and, and serve the people that made me who I am and make them a better version of themselves and a better version of us and make our country and our nation and our continent a lot better. So I'm very passionate about building like Africa and South Africa. Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, Owen and I actually uh, <laughs> met not so much. I mean, we knew each other through hockey, but we met more through through actually to me because uh, she and I traveled <laughs> for work. And she's like, "I'm going to go watch my boyfriend play hockey." And I was like, "But it's the SM man." She's like, "Yeah, it's Owen." I was like, "What? You know Owen?" I know. Uh, so it became quite a quite a thing for us that we talk about Owen at work. Um, but yeah, Owen, obviously, uh, it's great to see how committed you are to to development of people, how committed you are to the development of uh, of the game of hockey. Um, and obviously committed to development of yourself. We've heard throughout uh, the chat today that, uh, mm. you know, you've tried to make the most out of what happened. And, and you know, Derek and I kind of feel very much the same way. Uh, COVID uh, caused me a, a significant loss of uh, income on my 
my, my side business and, and the people that I employ yeah. there. So what we did was we created new business and we created new opportunity yeah. for people. And uh, that's what it's all about. I think there is opportunity yeah. out there and we just need somebody who uh, can create it. Before we dive uh, in and take you towards the one question quiz, I want to ask you uh, about the Mapungubwe Mambas, a team yeah. that you've captained uh, in the Premier Hockey League. What is the, the PHL meant for you? Uh, and what do you think it's meant for South Africa? A, from a hockey point of view, and B, yeah. as a transformation tool, have we used it effectively? Um, let's go from a hockey point of view. I think from a hockey point of view, it's been really amazing because um, you're kind of on TV and people can watch you compared to IPTs where no one can see the players. So almost like the public opinion doesn't matter. And I think that's been a big issue with South African hockey that the public doesn't really have a view of how good a player is or not. You just hear they played well at a tournament. If you're fortunate enough to go to IPT, you can give your opinion, but it's not really recorded. No one can give you the evidence. But now on PHL, people can have an opinion and be like, this player is good and this other player is pop. And that's good and bad, but at least there's that public view that how we feel when watching cricket or watching rugby, watching soccer, like, I rate this player or I don't rate this player for ABC reasons. And you need to learn a lot from that as players, as coaches, and as, um, as individuals. So I think from that perspective, it's been really good and exciting. And as even random people that don't even watch hockey, I've been talking about hockey and, and considering it and asking questions about it because it's growing and they are almost exposed to it now and they'll hear more about it. Um, when it comes to transformation, it's been interesting. Like I said, when PFD was created, it was a very interesting thing of how players of color were, were managed. So that was um, very like... Um, almost like an exposure of how players were treated, but not on the on like a public platform where everyone can see. Um, I think a lot of players of color got opportunity to show off their skill set um, in different environments because they're coached by different coaches. So from a player's perspective, I think there's been ups and downs, but I think more ups because even if bad things are being exposed, it's at least it's out there and people know and there's something we can fix and change. Um, when it comes to coaches. Uh, maybe officials and stuff like that. Um, I think there's been a big improvement from that perspective as well. Um, a lot of coaches got the opportunity, both in the girls and guys section. Uh, um, not too much. I think what was also nice is that the, from not like uh, people of color, but more like a gender transformation in terms of how many female coaches were coaching um, teams. This was really good. And I think maybe some more female coaches would coach some men's teams or be assistant coaches for men's teams because there's a lot of good coaches in the country. But I think that progression is also getting a lot better. I think, I think even Marcel or somebody won, won, a, won a PHL, which is really amazing. And um, so from that perspective, it's really good to see for coaches to view it also on the public platform where people can see it on TV and then you can have something to like work towards if you're an up-and-coming or an inspiring coach. Um, you, can, you can do that and push yourself. So from that, I've really loved PHL. I've loved the vibe of it as players. There's a, a lot less pressure on it. It's just about enjoyment. You're playing against and with your friends, making new friends, um, new tactics, and new coaches. So it's really just freedom to play. Hence, I think there's a lot of good performances, like a lot of tight games and teams that you think are going to win, don't win, or like, like especially during the group stages. So that's really exciting and, and enjoyable from both the men and, and girls section. So I'm, I'm a big fan of it, personally. 
Finally, from my side, before we head over to the one question quiz, um, we've earned, I know that Ty mentioned it earlier regarding the photos. So if you Google your name, you'll find the modeling pics, et cetera, and then you'll find the very business-like picture of you uh, posing very elegantly next to your Malik. And uh, yeah, you've got a very good relationship with them. Yeah, it's been 15 years now. I think this is my 15th year with them. Um, I was with Craze before. Um, in high school, um, and then Malik approached me in first year, and I never looked back. I think I love the touch, I love the style. Um, I kind, they kind of backed me when I was getting dropped um, from varsity teams or from national teams, etc. And they still believed in me, and um, for that, I'll always also back them, you know, because I've travelled when I was overseas, and I was, I was like internationally sponsored the whole time there. So whatever I wanted, I could import it from Germany. And it would come in like three days. So it was really amazing. And so for me, it's an amazing brand because what I need, um, I'd get from them. And they would just need me to play and, and, and enjoy and, of course, um, market their brand. And that's all I do whenever I'm coaching and stuff. I'm always in my lead gear because um, I like their gear as well. But I also play with a certain stick all the time. So I do my part for them, I feel, and I give my best. And I think they do the same for me. And I appreciate Peter and, and, and his team for, you know, for taking me on board for so long and not like getting bored that I'm still there. I, I love that. What I need, I get from them. That's, uh, that, that's, exactly, <laughs> yeah, what you, yeah. that's exactly what you want from a sponsor. <laughs> I've earned and, uh, that right, though. <laughs> and, and, and of course, I there. mean... Yeah, but it, it took time. But now, for, for real, like... I, if whatever, I don't abuse my sponsor, I take two sticks or three sticks, like whatever. But um, I even use the same stick like for two years because I, I really fall in love with a certain stick. But they, they don't say no when I need something because I don't abuse it and then that relationship works really well. Yeah, and then just for all the listeners, if you you haven't done the math, that's Peter as in Peter Wright, former guest on the show, brother of John Wright. Um, and uh, fantastic, fantastic servants of the game. Uh, I laugh, Owen, because I, I personally, my personal uh, uh, sponsor, although I am a, a retired player these days because you know, I'm older than you and, and <laughs> body parts creak, but um, is Princess. And uh, uh, Jack used to phone me and say, you know, can I send you a new stick? And I'd be like, no, I'm still using last year's one. Um, so I have like an eight-year-old stick and I never wanted to change it because I just kept playing with the same one every year because it just worked for me. Mm. I had I had an issue like that in, in when I was overseas. Like my leg brought out like the square ones and those colorful sticks. That's stick that I have in my like formal attire and I refused to play with it. I was like, no, Peter, like, give me the Gaucha, the old one. Give me Lost Jazz They're like, no, we're trying to promote the new one. And I was like, no, like, just give me the stick I used all the time. Right? And then I'm like, okay, it's fine. Don't give me a stick. I'm using last year's stick. You know, and it took like a whole like six months for them to like negotiate and be like, dude, just, just play with the new sticks, man. Everyone's playing with them. And then even in Belgium, the new guys were like, aren't you sponsored? And I was like, <laughs> yes. They're like, try the new stick. I was like, nah. But eventually I, I went into it and um, I played with it for two seasons. And then I went back to the, the other sticks. So I was like, you see, you see, you see now. You should have just stuck with me in the first place. But uh, anyway, it's been it's been a nice journey, and I'm I'm still enjoying it. I won't lie. Okay, so uh, it's just on the subject of sponsorship, you know, we're talking uh, about uh, a little earlier myself and Ty. Uh, we we big golf fans, and we're looking at this video of Rory McIlroy's sponsors, TaylorMade, and 
they've got this van um, on the course and they're showing how they make Rory's club for the week for his driver. And I mean, for those that, that know Ooh. golf, it's a very, very expensive sport. And they go, okay, cool. Now we're going to quickly prep uh, Rory's driver for the week and give it to him until the next tournament, which will do exactly the same thing. Um, but yeah, it's, it's amazing uh, seeing the, um, uh, the, the sponsors, how they do um, look after their, their, their clients. And um, uh, yeah, and exactly the same with you and Malik. So it really, really is great to hear. Uh, Owen, I think it has uh, got to that time of the day where we head over to mm-hmm. the one question quiz. Let's do it. Live in the moment till I die. Okay, Owen, uh, I'm sure that you are a fay with how the one question quiz works. It's fairly simple. I ask you one question and then you've got to answer it. Um, I hope for your sake that you are a bit of a football fan. Are you? Uh, yes. Okay, who's your favorite team? Uh, Manchester United. Okay, cool. So then this should actually be, it could possibly be easy. Uh, I want to know from you. Uh, there was a famous Owen that, that played for Manchester United. Uh, not Owen Hargreaves, I'm talking about the surname, in Michael Owen. Uh, yes. He wasn't a one-club player, he played for a few clubs. I want to know mm-hmm. which clubs he played for in his professional career. Okay, uh, Liverpool. Yes, the easy one. Real Madrid. Up. Yes. Real Madrid, Man United. Yes. Did he leave afterwards? Did he go anywhere after that? This guy. I don't know. Those are the three I've got. There's there's two. There's two other clubs. He went somewhere between Real. He went somewhere between Real and and Manchester. He was there for quite a while, and then after Manchester, he went to another club for for a couple of games. No, I don't know. Maybe he went to America. I don't know. No, no. All all Premier League sides. Premier League before he came to Man United. Yes. And, and he was there for, for, for four years. No. And, and, if, and if I tell you, you'll remember it immediately. You, you're going to kick yourself yeah. as soon as you hear it. You'll, you'll, you'll picture no, him in that kicks. He was there for. This guy was at Liverpool, Real Madrid, and Man U. No. Else could he have been? You remember, he left Real. He, re- he left Real in 2005. And only went to United really? in 2009. Where did this guy go? In the Premier League. <laughs> in the Premier League. <laughs> I don't know. It must have been some pop team. I don't know. Where did he go? West Ham. Blackburn. Who was in the league those days? And, and they, I think they, they were knocked out at some stage. They went down to the first division for a little while, or didn't they? Pretty sure they did. Oh, he's, he's gone. Um, okay, so the team... No, no, not not, uh, while, not, not, not while, while he was, he was there. there. Okay, not while he was there, but after that. Um, but the team that you're looking for, clad in black and white stripes, he was at Newcastle for four years. Newcastle. Yes. Like he was at the Magpies. And then at the end, for his swan song, he went and played eight matches for Stoke City. So I don't remember the Stoke. I, I obviously I remember Newcastle, but I can't remember the Stoke. Damn it, that should have been better. I don't think I don't think the Stoke fans even remember the Stoke. Eight appearances, one goal, <laughs> nothing much. <laughs> um, Owen, Michael, it, is, it has been yes. superb chatting to you. Thank you so much, and really, really great having you on board. And, Thank you so much for having me. Also, awesome. I mean, and Owen just.
because I've just seen the news break. Uh, you know, to to wrap up, do you want to tell us about your new hockey junction franchise? Oh yeah, um, well, it's been a, an exciting journey to um, I don't know, like start a sort of kind of start like an academy and a franchise that we can run in a manner that's gonna you know, transform humans and families to the best of their ability, and that's what we're trying to do. So we are really excited about that. Um, of course, we've had, we've seen what people have done in the last year during COVID, and we would also like to jump on them bandwagon and um, change more lives. So it's, it's been, I'm really excited. I was really happy, like shouting and screaming like earlier on today because we didn't know what was happening until this morning. But um, it's just been, we, we're super excited about the journey and we're going to like really work with a lot of kids and develop them to the best of our ability. So it's exciting. And um, like I said, we're trying to be as innovative as possible during these times to help ourselves as well as help the people around us. Lovely. Uh, yeah, it, it is superb. Um, Owen, thank you so much for your time this morning. We appreciate it. I know you are a busy man and you're making people's lives better. So uh, thank you for taking time out uh, for us and for all our listeners. And uh, we hope you get back on a field as soon as possible and that you manage to uh, finish this career as well as you have lived it. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you so much for what you guys are doing. Thank you for your time and efforts to supporting us. And um, just really amazing. Also, like, stay safe, stay blessed. And lots of love and blessings to you and your families. Thanks so much, Owen. Have a great one. We'll catch up soon. Thank you so much. You too. Ciao. Cheers, guys. Bye. Well done again, Ty. What a great guess. You smashed it out the park. Yeah, listen, I'm not going to take credit. That was that was all Owen. What a, what a, what a great man. What a humble man. And uh, what a man who, if you are fortunate enough to get to work along with him, I think you can only benefit from it. Yeah, absolutely. And you can pick that up immediately. Uh, during the course of that interview. A great guy and a terrific bloke to deal with. Uh, Ty, thanks again. It's been a brilliant uh, having you on board for another episode of Hockey the Podcast. How about we uh, do this again in a, in a week's time? Yeah, let's do it. Um, I mean, I would say it's a date, but I don't want to get you too excited. <laughs> Damn. Okay, cool. I'll see you then. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll bring the candles. Cheers, Ty. Okay. <laughs> Cheers.